so Jake White was on some next level weirdness back in 2006 because <laughs> also at that point uh, Francois Stein had only started um, six matches for, for the Sharks at that point all of which were at 10 Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now Off the Ball Daily yeah, then you're very welcome along. Sunday's off the ball. Joe Malloy with you. International window put to bed. Premier League returns. We had the North London Derby yesterday. Today, it is the turn of Manchester. We are at the Etihad. It's a two o'clock kickoff. Manchester City hosting Manchester United. The once noisy neighbours now very much dominant and looking at a seventh Premier League title in 11 years. Nathan Murphy and Brian Kerr are there. And then Ellen Road leads United against Aston Villa is at half past four. Stephen Doyle and Kenny Cunningham will bring you through that game. 53106, the text number. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. If you want to get in touch, please do. Anne-Marie Donnellan here in studio. Hello. Hi, Joe. Arthur O'Dea with us as well. Arthur, hello. How are you, Joe? Very well. We have just come fresh from the Sunday paper review, which is available to download very shortly and available on our social channels uh, from now. Gary O'Toole, Olympian and surgeon. Michael Verney of the Irish Independent and a very fine hurler himself, both in studio. They were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. They were brilliant. Surgeon. It's a high caliber of Sunday. (laughs) I did. uh, (laughs) He does tend to put you in the underachieving bracket when you're next to him. Yeah. Olympian as well. Olympian or orthopedic surgeon would make you consider what you'd achieved. Olympic and orthopedic surgeon makes you think, yeah, I could have done more. Paula Donovan's going to be a surgeon and an Olympic champion. I know. We did yeah. talk about Paula Donovan. Yeah. There's an interesting piece on a Donovan. So uh, he came up actually. And uh, How the long has Paula great. Donovan left until he qualifies? Uh, Is this his final? I or think well, it was interesting actually. Year? Gary was saying, I'm not, I'm not au fait. This comes with the health warning, no pun intended. I think next year would be the year he would be doing his like intern oh, yeah, yeah. section. But as Gary made the point the hours required there are insane and may not be conducive to an Olympic Games, which is on next year as well. So whether he postpones that or... Mm-hmm. The uh, intern year is generally one of the toughest years for young doctors before they start to hone in on specifics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The hours are... Mm, very tough. Crazy. And you wonder about the wisdom. Like, do it, I mean, is it a good thing to have done a 14 hour shift and then be treating oh, someone afresh? That's interesting. Yeah, probably not. That's another show. That's probably why we have a mass exodus of doctors from this country. But uh, Gary O'Toole, Michael Verney, excellent on a whole host of topics. So waiting for you in all the usual places. Nice to have the Premier League back, we have to say, and very nice to have the Manchester Derby. Nathan Murphy has made the trek over to Manchester and he should be there now. Hello, Nathan Murphy. I'll tell you, it was an arduous, arduous trek to come over to this Manchester Derby, Joe. 6am flight but hey the sacrifices we make these are the things you will do for your craft uh, we, ce- we celebrate you we thank you so um, I'm just having a glance at Sky Sports Live and I can see Eric Ten Hag shaking hands with uh, Roy Keane and the uh, Sky crew of Gary Neville Mika Richards there as well Kelly Cates I don't know is that actually happening oh it's Guardiola now actually it's Guardiola, I saw, Guardiola. I'm actually, I saw the head well, from afar interesting, Joe, what's more interesting so they're just down uh, to my right hand side it's a beautiful sunny day in uh, Manchester so Pep Guardiola is talking to Roy Keane and Mika Richards and Kelly Case and I think it's Gary Neville who's it got is. his back to me yeah. uh, about five feet further down to their right hand side is Alf Inge Haaland <laughs> who is going to be the one to bring Roy and Alfie together again well you know I was reading a recent interview with Mr. Haaland and 
he is not happy about what what went down, to say the least. I'd say not. Um, because initially there was the, oh, that ended his career conversation. Mm. And then the point was made, well, actually, it wasn't the same knee. It was the left knee which ended his career. But he's making the point, well, I never really played after that. And what happens... Oh, they're soaked. Sorry. They're they're soaked. Just got they've run. What happens on one knee can affect the other because the other knee was obviously planted in the ground and things... <laughs> oh, they've all just run away from the water. Nathan's about five seconds ahead of the it's television. It's actually happening right in front of me. Uh, but sorry, he's he's not he's not impressed and, and puts that... Even though it was the other leg, he puts it down to that incident. So I don't suspect either of them will be walking to the other knowing both characters. No, it is one of those moments that it is so long ago now that we sort of laugh and joke about it and it's so part of the keen aura in a way. But it had an enormous effect on Alfinger Haaland's life, uh, no doubt, uh, if he feels that, even though it was the other knee, that it did have a massive impact yeah, on his career. So I can't imagine, I certainly haven't seen one yet, and there's a lot of photographers down there, that as Alfie is walking past, back down the tunnel, that he'll have a little hug for Roy. But it'd be, be quite the moment if he did. Mm. So you have to jog the memory a touch when you're talking about this game, given the international window and the Queen's death. Manchester United have not pay- played a... Premier League games since the 4th of September we're just closing in in a month that was the 3-1 win against Arsenal they did lose to Sociedad and beat Sheriff in the interim but no Premier League game in a month that win against Arsenal we did see Man City more recently the uh, 3-0 win against Wolves people remember Nathan Collins uh, red card that was the 17th of September before that they had the Dortmund win and uh, beat Sevilla 4-0 they put 6 past Nottingham Forest they put 4 on Crystal Palace the one-all draw away to Aston Villa the only real uh, misstep. So they're the general form lines, but there is a degree of, of picking things up again post-international window. There really is. I was doing up my notes on the flight over this morning and I was thinking about Anthony. I was like, God, he was very good that day against Arsenal. Hasn't really kicked on since. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, realised they haven't actually played a league game since that match against Arsenal yeah. almost a month ago. So it's been a long break. It's been an opportunity for Eric Ten Hag to really get across to these players with that late signing of Anthony exactly what he expects from them and Manchester City last year humiliated Manchester United in both derbies really the first of them at Old Trafford was a 2-0 but they toyed with them yeah. throughout the entire game and I was at this match last season when it was the 4-1 and again you looked at it it could have easily ended up in 5-6 if City felt like it they ripped them to pieces previous to that though Manchester United had a very good record particularly at this stadium their counter-attacking football under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer always seemed to cause Pep Guardiola's sides problems so it is going to be fascinating to see now that United are back more in that style Mm. of counter-attacking football if we revert to type and looking at the two teams I think Eric Ten Hag will be very pleased with what he sees from the Manchester City lineup because they're missing Rodri and when you go through that Manchester City team particularly with Calvin Phillips not having any game time at all really with the injuries he's problem he's had Rodri is the one mainstay himself and Haaland are the two who always always play and they don't have a like for like so City today are going to go with a midfield three of Gundogan De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva listen it's as talented as midfield three as you will find in world football but none of them are Rodri that one who just sits there who keeps it simple maybe maybe Ilke Gundogan plays in that deeper role and he keeps his game uh, a lot more conservative than he normally would but I think that is a huge loss for Manchester City he's not in the squad today and they've also left Ruben Diaz on the bench Perhaps with so many games coming up, they've decided to rotate things. But that means Manuel Akanji, who came in somewhat under the radar from Borussia Dortmund during the transfer window. He starts again, fourth game in a row alongside Nathan Aki uh, in the fence. So it is an interesting Manchester City side with both Jack Grealish and Phil Foden named as well 
either side of the rather brilliant Erling Haaland. And this is a City team that at home have just been sensational. They've won their last eight Premier League games at home. They've scored at least three goals in all eight of them. So how Manchester United come up with a game plan to stop that uh, will be fascinating. But I do think Rodri's absence will certainly give Manchester United more hope than maybe when they were thinking about this over the last few days. Mm. It's interesting. I guess we all see the game in our own way and through our own perspective because a fair portion of Wayne Rooney's column today in the Sunday Times was making the argument that Riyad Mahrez is going to have a big impact today and that he can really target Malassi and he'll cut in on his left and Malassi will be on his right foot then and he, you know, he's just, watch out, watch, just take it from me, watch out what Riyad Mahrez might do today and it's Grealish who gets the nod and so it's, it's presumably Foden on that side. So I guess there's a degree of sticking by Grealish here at the moment. Maybe... Guardiola conscious of trying to imbue the guy with some kind of consistency and confidence. Well he did score in that last game against Wolves very early in the match and obviously uh, the karate kick came in from Nathan Collins. He made a big impression in that game. I'm always surprised when Riyad Mahrez doesn't start for Manchester City. He provides such brilliant balance over on that right hand side and he did score two goals in this fixture last season but there are so many matches Pep Guardiola is clearly rotating his side consistently and it does give Grealish that chance I was going to say to lay down a mark, but Phil Foden, you just feel like Phil Foden is an automatic selection in this team for the biggest of big games. So if it was to come to a Champions League semi-final final, is he getting in ahead of Foden? I'm not so sure, but maybe he does enough that actually Foden has to face a, a future over on the right-hand side. Uh, they're nice options to have, I think it's fair to say. Uh, the full City team, by the way, is Ederson in goals, a back four of Kyle Walker on the right, Xiao Cancelo on the left, and Nathan Aki alongside Manuel Akanji on the bench. So no Diaz, no Laporte, no Stones, arguably their first three centre-halves, none of them starting for Manchester City today. Uh, as I said, Ilke Gundogan captains the team alongside Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva, and then it is Jack Grealish and Phil Foden, either side of Erling Haaland, who plays in his first ever Manchester derby will he be overawed by the occasion <laughs> I suspect not somehow he's on the back pages on quite a few papers today he was quoted as saying if I make the right run nobody can stop me <laughs> so it would almost be arrogant Hard if someone argue. else said it but I think yeah it's kind of fair enough thing for him to say what tends to be the atmosphere at the Etihad on a day like today often criticised I think for the biggest games at uh, the Etihad it gets there the noise levels get right up uh, particularly if Manchester City are playing as well as they have uh, recently against Manchester United because I think against it's the, where the Etihad struggles is those games against teams in the bottom half where City have 70-75% possession they don't take any risks uh, it's just relentless passing and they eventually grind down the opposition and it's hard to raise the intensity it's hard to raise uh, the tempo of the game and that's probably why it gets the criticism and the fact that there's often empty seats for you know arguably the best team in Europe but on a day like this, this place in just under an hour's time will be absolutely hopping. So uh, I wouldn't worry about the atmosphere for this. Yeah. Interesting, before the game, you saw Pep Guardiola getting soaked. I've never seen a pitch get watered as much as the Etihad over the last hour. It has been nonstop. All of the broadcasters down pitch side have been getting saturated. And one of the groundsmen has been out a couple of times with some sort of machine that he put in the ground. He took some notes. He went and he spoke to somebody else. They switched them back on again. Uh, so clearly, unsurprisingly, Manchester City want this as slick as possible. Yeah. Well, I guess Guardiola complains about the pitch being too dry away from home at times. So, I mean, he knows what he's doing. No uh, sign of a Keen Haaland a nod a, a darting look here and there no no there must be an ad break at the moment because uh, they're just getting a little bit of makeup on uh, once again so no sign of, of anything 
uh, could be the major talking point out of here. Uh, the United team, uh, by the way, uh, it's uh, David De Gea in goals. Uh, Diogo Dalo starts again at right back. Terrell Malassia keeps his place at left back. Lissandro Martinez and Rafa Varane in the centre. No Harry Maguire in the squad. He is out injured. Uh, Scott McTominay once again keeps his place ahead of Casemiro alongside Christian Eriksen in the middle of midfield. Anthony on the right. Jaden Sancho on the left. And Bruno Fernandes captaining the side in place of Marcus Rashford who is back fit once again. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Anthony Martial, Anthony Alanga, Casemiro, Fred, Luke Shaw, Victor Lindelof, all among the substitutes. So there is quite a bit of depth now in that Manchester United squad as well. Okay. Thanks for the time, Bean. Cheers, Joe. Nathan Murphy at the Eddie Ed. We'll talk to Brian Kerr in just a moment. Off the ball. Daily. Off the ball. Daily. Anne-Marie's still with us, so that is our two o'clock game. And then half past four? Yeah, Leeds welcome Aston Villa to Ellen Road, Joe, going into the game. They're 13th and 14th in the table. Leeds just a single point above Villa. Stephen Gerrard's side had been building momentum before the passing of the Queen saw football temporarily halted and then the international break. They last played on the 16th of September, while Leeds haven't played in a month. Gerrard says this isn't ideal. You're obviously well aware of these situations when the breaks are going to come. It is what it is. You're not going to be able to change the schedule. But from a selfish point of view, we took four points from six from City and Southampton and we seem to have turned uh, a corner. You know, our form's improved um, in certain in certain parts of our play. So, yeah, I would have liked to have carried on. We, we, we obviously didn't want the Leicester game cancelled either, but obviously the Queen passed and we totally respected that situation. And it is what it is. We need to roll forward. Um, we've got a lot of games from now to the World Cup. Um, opportunity for us to pick more points up, and that's the plan. You know, it gives you training time. Uh, that's what it's gave yeah, a lot of managers, a lot of coaches. Um, I'm sure Leeds have tried to use the time as wisely as they can. Um, but for us, it, it, it's about preparing for a tough opponent. Um, Jesse obviously started the season very strong. Of course, they haven't had the best of results in, in the last couple, but. Uh, I'm sure he's very proud of what the players have gave him so far this season. There's been big improvements uh, in the Leeds team. He's signed and recruited extremely well. Going to Ellen Road in front of a tough crowd, we know the challenge is big, but it's exciting. And um, we've prepared in the best way we can and, and we'll be ready for the challenge when it comes. Stephen Doyle, Kenny Cunningham on that game. So that's our half past four game. Uh, we should mention Shamrock Rovers last night. Yeah, they re-established their five-point lead at the top of the SSE Airtricity League Premier Division table. Goals from Daniel Cleary, Dylan Watts and Graham Burke saw Stephen Bradley's side comfortably beat Sligo Rovers 3-1 at the showgrounds. Here at home, there's one game in the Women's National League today. Sligo again in action. They host bottom side Treaty United. That gets underway at two o'clock. So Munster were in action last night against Sebrae and they had uh, obviously struggled in rounds one and two. Yeah, they got their first win of the new United Rugby Championship season last night. They were 21 points to five winners over Zebra at Musgrave Park. Nalscanal scored two tries for the hosts. Three in all they got at the Cork venue. Still uh, didn't have the locals swinging from the rafters, Arthur. So for instance, uh, Peter O'Reilly in the Sunday Times was at the game Munster 21 Zebra 5 and he was making the point it was dry it was mild it was windless fast track it was uh, against a team who had scored 10 tries in their first two outings so the least that 
the Musgrave Park crowd wanted was some entertainment. They got very little baddies of that, he said. Too many errors, too many stoppages. This was grim. grim. So uh, it seems Munster still didn't quite find their groove. If it held a gruesome sort of fascination after the break, he said, it was in the gradual realisation that Munster might actually fail to score a four-try bonus despite having scored their third try in the 25th minute. Oh. And so they never quite got that uh, fourth What's, what's the problem there? Is, is that still a lingering on from, I suppose, whatever was going wrong in the last regime and it takes a while for Roundtree to settle things in? Is it more institutional than that? They're hoping it's the former because if it's more yeah. institutional, they have a bigger job. There's a degree of, well, it's pre-season, maybe they're not quite up to speed yet about it all. Because I'm probably guilty of over, in my own mind, over-imagining what, say, the IRFU's input with these things. I presume there's still a lot that has to go on at a provincial level, surely, with, purely within the provincial level, that gets these things up. Because almost, it almost can sometimes, to someone who's not intricately interested in rugby, that it can be a little bit homogenised in terms of the four provinces, that they're kind of all just extensions of the same centre. And you'd kind of think by extension of that, that they should all be kind of on an even keel but that's I suppose when you consider how Munster or sorry how Leinster are doing and even despite all that they seem to have their own sort of identity which obviously Munster had traditionally but yeah. like playing wise it, I, I, it's fascinating to me how, how much of a non-entity they seem to have been in terms of yeah. that legacy that, I just don't know how that but that doesn't seem it doesn't really show any sign of Amazing. I yeah. mean, we are just three games in and it's a new coaching ticket I suppose they've gone down the South African route for so long now with That's true, yeah. consecutive coaches and tried to play that style without having the bulk or the size to do it. Yeah. And now they've to somehow disentangle themselves from all of that. And it's going to, I presumably will take some time. Because even one of the tries against the Dragons last week, Bernard Jackman in his piece the next day was making the point that Munster tried to run the ball from their own 22 because I guess that's more in keeping with the way Leinster play and yeah. the way the game is going. But he said they actually didn't have the shape to do it successfully. And so it fell apart a bit and they ended up having to kick the ball under pressure and it fell to Dyer who ran in and scored the try. The, you know, the, oh, the yeah, size yeah. of trying that game. So there's the intent to run the ball, but then you have to have your ducks in a row and the, the right shape, which someone like I'm sure Bernard Jackman could spot a mile away and he felt they didn't have it. So there's probably all of these intricacies which are going awry and then confidence suffers and media start getting in and before you know it they're three games in and it's all a bit mess. Yeah and like as you said as well like I suppose you, you do kind of want to be fair I imagine it takes extremely long with rugby as well but you think it's it's funny we have like for Man City Man United today and City going for it's going to be their fifth title is it Guardiola's fifth? Mm. Seven and in it, 11 years. And it's so interesting when you remember his first year that there was the mistakes and there was kind of the yeah. they were nowhere near what this they were this work in England like, you know Claude, <laughs> Claudio Bravo and stuff and yeah. this looks ridiculous and it's just God a little bit of time and no a little bit of time and I suppose money being no option to fund sure. what you need but it is interesting yeah I'd like, do you why did that South African emphasis begin was it just did it begin because they hired South African coaches Erasmus or yeah. was it yeah. okay so that's yeah. rather than a grander plan I would think so yeah so he okay well, yeah. I, see, again, I can't pick up. It's funny you're talking about the paper review as well, and Gary talking about the nuances of hurling, and you talking about the nuances of F1 and stuff. Like, I can't pick out the nuances of rugby, but it's so interesting with, especially in the week with Matt Williams, how it's just this, like, such a positive, <laughs> friendly fella. Well, when it comes to talking about South African rugby, it's like, in, in his, even in his nice way, yeah. what a ruining the game, Joe. It's, it's ruining it. Works, it works, but it's, uh, it's terrible. 
to watch that line story again, he said, I'd rather paint the kitchen. <laughs> Just uh, summed it up, I suppose. Uh, the golf. And Ray, this is uh, over at the Dunhill. So they're at St. Andrews today for the finale. Yeah, Rory McIlroy and Padraig Harrington playing together on the final day of the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship in Scotland. McIlroy is two under through eight. That leaves him nine under all round. Four shots off the lead that's held by England's Richard Mansell. Harrington then is level par also after eight today and that leaves him seven under. So Rory in the top 10, solo ninth and Harrington in a tie for 15th. One of the truly great weeks. It's where life's winners (laughs) congregate and have a great time. Yeah, Cahill outside who's big into his golf was saying it's a life goal of his to go. Well, he's have not, you been? He's not going to play in it. No, <laughs> oh, just to go. Been. Oh yeah, I've been. I want to play in the bloody thing. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'd be able to go. Sorry, but the chances of me and Kyle getting into it and to play in it are zero. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing uh, week. Pool your well together. Pool our well together. Just, <laughs> just to watch it. Uh, did, did you see it on Thursday? The weather there was shocking. Shocking. Yeah. Abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. But um, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that across the course of the afternoon. McRoy had a tough day that day, so he's done well to get back into the uh, top 10. Seamus Power playing this evening over in the PGA Tour. He'll get his final round of the Sanderson Farms Championship underway in a tie for 25th. He sets to tee off from seven under par at 10 to 6 Irish time. That's eight shots off the lead that's held by American Mark Hubbard. And Stephanie Meadow has just gotten her final round of the ascendant LPGA in Texas underway. She has teed off from one under par one under par in a tie for 34th that's 10 shots off the lead Red Bull have been utterly dominant all season there is a chance I think it's unlikely there is a chance Max Verstappen could win the championship today if he doesn't he'll certainly do it in Japan so we'll be watching Singapore This has been such a snooze fest compared to last year hasn't it Yeah, It's unfortunate that after last year gripped and grabbed everyone that they've had the ultimate procession this year. Yeah, when everyone last year turned into a Formula One expert as well, they've slowly (laughs) gone away. Max Verstappen could win the Drivers' Championship today. He starts from eighth on the grid at the Singapore Grand Prix. That was due to get underway at one o'clock, but has been delayed by heavy rain. Ferrari's Charles Leclerc is on pole. Sergio Perez starts from second and Lewis Hamilton will go from third. Verstappen has a 116-point lead at the top of the standings going into this. Uh, as mentioned, we had Michael Verney with Gary O'Toole on the Sunday paper review earlier on this morning, available in all the usual places to download or to watch. Michael was hightailing it, he said, to the Leash Hurling County Final. Quite a few county finals on across the day. Yeah, I'll start with the Leash Hurling Final. It's in O'Moore Park from four o'clock. Cam Ross take on Clock Balakula. Elsewhere then in the Carlo Football Final, Tinryland and Palantine meet at Cullen Park from four. Then in Offaly, Kilcormac, Kilclochy and Shinrone contest the Hurling Final. And Castletown, Gyohan versus Clonkill is the Westmead Senior Hurling Championship Final in Cusick Park from four o'clock. So all of them underway at four o'clock. He made, uh, thought Michael made quite an interesting point, Arthur, in the paper review. We were talking about the split season and he's a massive GAA man and a journalist and, and is interested in the game continuing to thrive right around the country. And 
He made a great point. Say the Ireland final's on and is the centrepiece for that two-week period and the week period after that and you've 82,000 at Crow Park. Yeah. He said, you think of all these uh, count club matches on across the country in that three-week period, four-week period where the All-Ireland final kind of looms large. The aggregate of attendances completely eclipses the 82,000 you get into Crow Park for the All-Ireland final. And what's more, you have this sustained interest, yes, at a local level. So you don't have this mass attention from the national media on one game mm. but in each pocket of local radio and local newspapers again the aggregate is still very very healthy and he's a big fan of the split season yeah look i, I think with the split season in general i suppose if you have any sort of vested interest in it at all it makes perfect sense and that's kind of the, the crucial aspect i suppose it's because the ga is such a national i suppose thing you kind of you, you assume it will take on national priorities so the prior you know and that it, for the general sake of things, we'd want the most of the best of it all the time, if you know what I mean. But that's, it's, it's real, in reality, is actually whatever an association made of its members. And I suppose it, for the vast bulk of them, they want kind of the both. And this serves both. And I don't think it's, it's probably always been the case, I suppose, that local media has given extensive coverage to local GA. But like maybe now, because it is split and it is clear that can probably be done to a higher level as well they can plan things out and they can plan out their year and service it better mm. and look that's like for me like I obviously want to see as someone with no vested interest in the club season I want to see the best inter-county games played as much as possible mm. but that's look, that's not reality it's just not going to happen so that's it's that's the ca- fine the casual know, fan almost yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's fine like that's because I, I can see in him like excitement going down to the Leash County final and you know it's like that's great fantastic because it does it matters an awful lot of people like and you kind of have to I think we've kind of everyone you'd be mad not to accept it it's, it's whatever they want to prioritise themselves as an association is what yeah. needs to be done Yeah, I don't I don't buy the thing though I, one thing I would take up with Michael is I know he appreciates that the stars are still on show it's not the same for me it's not the same to see an inter-county player in amongst players who are beneath them quality wise and things like it's, I know it's 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 more important and arguably more important for a lot of them what they do with their club but I don't think it's the same as seeing them inter-county against a higher calibre of game with higher calibre of players I don't accept that that's like for like at all mm. Local GA coverage is really important to local media as well sponsorship it's a big big revenue yeah. which is important It's maybe a bigger window for naturally yeah so then there's m- yeah. yeah yeah it's a fair point uh, we should just mention before we take a break and then we'll chat to Brian Kerr the world of racing very much focused on Paris today the flat season draws to a close as the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe takes place in Paris the Aidan O'Brien trained Luxembourg will represent Ireland's best chance when Europe's richest race goes to post at five past three Irish time here at home there's an eight race card at Killarney the first there oh sorry that's already gotten underway from one o'clock and also eight races taking place at Tipperary today okay. We'll certainly give you the result of the uh, big race, the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe there at uh, five past three Irish time, as Anne-Marie said. Anne-Marie, thank you. Thanks. Arthur, thanks for the time being. Thanks, Joe. A short outbreak, then we're back to the Etihad.